premiering tonight a brand new podcast, The Squadruplets, Forever Unscripted. Hello, everyone. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to The Squadruplets podcast. This is a podcast made by uh, a group of five university students talking about something interesting they find uh, each week just to bring something more to their lives. Uh, my name is Ayman Faiz, and I'll be the host this week, along with Walid Saeed, Zafak, and Marnie Matallah. And uh, today, what we're going to be talking about is uh, some is a topic that is of of great significance to every single person that's there in the world, and something that has been under a lot of scrutiny nowadays. It has had a lot of awareness. In fact, the International Awareness Day for it was just last week, and that is uh, mental health. And we thought that today our, our conversations could focus around how this affects uh, us as South Asian men and uh, men in general all around the world. And um, like, guys, if you, could, if you could just go ahead right now and just uh, say hi, that would be great. Salam everybody. That's all need. That's Omar. Hi, everyone. My name is Hamza. That's Hamza. All right, that's nice. Um, guys, how about we start with talking about mental health and how it affects uh, people in the Desi or the South Asian community nowadays? Um, what do you guys think uh, of the situation that we're facing for all of us right now? First of all, uh, like if you're talking about this part of the world, uh, it has an extra to mental health because to begin with, we do not accept it as a problem. In the first place. Uh, second of all, uh, we are reluctant to share it with people from our community because we know the stereotypical responses or the standard responses that there are. Uh, so, like the point that needs to be highlighted over here is that there are many discouraging factors, uh, and which makes it really tough for a person in this part of the world experiencing any sort of mental health uh, problem. That's very true. Just building up on Hamza's, go ahead. ahead. (laughs) Just building up on Hamza's response. um, I think in our part of the world, um, Islam is basically a big part of the culture, and uh, when it comes to mental health issues, uh, it's often the actual medical part is often overlooked, and when anybody has those kind of difficulties the classic or stereotypical response is to just turn to, I mean, Allah, which obviously that there is a part for that, but there's a part for uh, medicine as well, or like uh, psychological help that you can only get through prayer or turning to Allah. That's only one part of it. And that's the one that's often overlooked, I think. Yeah. Very valid, very valid. There's just... To what Hamza and like Omar said, like the problem is, uh, like men are looked at as like you know a big figure in the house, and they can be looked on as someone who's like in a weak individual. So like if mental health is like discussed, they just see it as a sign of weakness. And if you know if the king of the house is like you know deemed as someone who's weak, then everything falls apart. Uh, that's just one of the things that is really bad, and especially in the Desi community. Like, uh, if you have any sign of weakness, they just, like, it's it's like it's bad, you know? They just brush it under the carpet. They go, like, no, we can't have this. Yeah, I think that that's actually a very 
important point that we face in the South Asian community. So, uh, I mean, uh, yeah? I just wanted to highlight one of the points uh, Omer mentioned that, uh, yes, this is one of the standard responses. Uh, basically, people think if you are a practicing Muslim or if you have been gifted with this blessing of Islam, you're not bound to have any sort of mental health problems, which is absolutely wrong. And so, like, uh, it has a paradoxical effect because if you tell it to someone that, okay, if you're experiencing this problem, just go and pray, just go and make dua and it will be fine. Mm. If you do it actually, it might be fine. But if you just keep on listening to them, it might actually repel you from doing these acts because that is not the right answer to the thoughts going on in your head. That's, That's right. one thing. And so, uh, yeah. yeah, continue. Omar, I'll continue after you. No, I was saying that like, if, if Islam was the was the one and all solution, then like our Prophet wouldn't have be, wouldn't have his own uh, issues as well. But we all as like well documented that he had anxiety and he had to uh, seek solitude in a cave because he needed to be by himself. He needed to get away because he was having these uh, emotions or thoughts as well. So like if he can have it, then who are we to not have it? And if he was the best Muslim of all and he was having these kind of issues, then it's something anybody can have. It's not just that only, oh, Islam will fix it. Yeah. I was just about to mention the same as well, especially when uh, Abu Talib and Khadija had passed away in the same year. It was itself named the year of sadness just because of how, how, how much toll it took on, on Rasulullah because... For him, those were his, uh, some of his major supporters, especially Abu Talib was the one who was really protecting him from the Quraysh at that time. And Khadija, mashallah, the amount of support she gave uh, our Rasulullah, it was just massive. So in terms of everything that we need to look at when it comes to the Islam itself, it's just that I feel like a lot of people, they just don't have, in our community, they sweep things under the rug. And they don't take things into like, you know, a holistic, well-rounded approach of a person's life. Like, you know, you have the physical health that can obviously play a, a huge role in the work that they do. Uh, you have their work itself that also takes its toll. You have their family, family lives, you have their education, you have their socioeconomic status, you have their wealth. All of these things are there. And the most important part to remember is also that, like, you know, this life itself is a test. So it is supposed to, this dunya itself is a test so when you look at those things. Uh, everyone needs support in right. some way or another. They, they do need support. Like, you know, the man might be uh, the head of the household, but I really feel like, you know, in, like, you know, you have everyone else who makes up the entire other, other components of the bodies, so to speak. So in that sense, the support is just really necessary for every single person. And we don't really get that with a way of combating mental health with Islam and also the work we need to do as men and so on. Yeah. True, and just to uh, build up on that, uh, now that you guys have mentioned that we, we actually have to take lessons from what uh, not just Prophet Muhammad and the Prophet before him have gone through all sorts of trials and tribulations. Uh, now, like focusing on the backgrounds that all of us have, we do understand, Alhamdulillah, we've been, we've been blessed with basic knowledge of Islam, we've been blessed with basic medical knowledge as well. Uh, so here comes the extra responsibility that, you know, because uh, 
a person who is not in this field, they might not be able to respond to these stereotypical answers properly. But after having gained the knowledge, you know, after having gone through medical school and all these years, we can actually explain it to them, of course, with respect, with love, with peace, that, you know, these are legit. These things are real. They exist. And that, yes, uh, turning to Allah is one of the main answers, but it's not just that. That's an enhancement that you can do it. But there are many other coping factors, many other routines that you can indulge in, uh, which will help you deal with any sort of uh, stress you're going through or any sort of mental health condition. When it comes to like, um, I think for a long time, mental health was seen as a, a feminine thing, which is why uh, men's mental health wasn't really taken seriously. And like from that side, and like men didn't really seek help. And I remember reading a study that um, when it comes to the presentation of something like depression, for example, uh, it's different in men and women. Women will have the, they'll have the, the classic presentation of feeling sad, feeling low, which is like what you ask when you're having depression. But men, they, they have different presentation. They will sometimes be angry they'll be like impulsive, they'll be irritable. So like, this is something we need to recognize. Depression is not the same between the two genders. And then when it comes to asking for help, um, like Walid mentioned earlier, uh, they're seen as like the leader of the household. And if they seem weak, then they don't feel like um, they're capable and it puts them down. But I think men are, in general, they're more likely to ask for help when they're able to give something back in return. So it feels like they're not completely dependent on somebody else, but they're also helping. So when it's a two-way thing, then I think they feel more comfortable asking because they're like, okay, fine, I'm helping and I'm getting help in return. Yeah, like everyone fears uh, opening up because they feel vulnerable. Mm. And like, especially if they open up to someone who doesn't have the same problems and it's it's pretty scary because they don't know how the other person might perceive them. That's true. That's what people then they're just scared to talk to anyone unless they, you don't have a they establish a trust between them and another individual, and they start talking about the same things. And that's why, like, it's pretty hard, especially with Desi. Like, they can't talk to their parents about it, because uh, yeah, like how we mentioned before, parents just like you know whatever. It's uh, he's going through a phase or whatever. He's just sad about a certain thing. It's it's not a big deal. And then by the time it's too late, like some person might take his own life or there are other like drastic like consequences that might happen. That's true. And also something else is just that it doesn't have to go all the way to the extremes of uh, obviously when someone takes their own life, it's something that's, uh, that's a terrible circumstance. But an equally as important circumstance, I think it's just that if someone lives with that and it's not rectified, it's not corrected, and they just have to keep living with that burden. They don't seek help. I feel like in that sense, like, you know, it's just really hard for them to live here. Uh, they're not going to, to be at the optimal level of what it, what, whatever it is that they're doing. They won't even just be able to even enjoy and live normally itself. So um, in those senses, like... You like know, that, t- that, takes a toll. Yeah, that takes a toll with everybody. Mm. If he's not able to like, be a productive member of society, he for won't sure. be doing his work properly. He won't be a good spouse. He won't be a good father. He won't be a good like son to his parents. 
So it affects everything. And then just just after that, it just keeps like you know adding on, and it just keeps snowballing. It affects the people around him, just like Omar said. And then, like, you know, once he has kids as well later on, like, you know, it can be problematic for them because they want them the healthy patterns of how they need to live. And uh, they'll just keep continuing to transmit those, like, you know, generation after generation until, like, you know, something happens and you don't really know what that is. And uh, just like, to we're doctors. Yeah. We're doctors. We had, um, I, don't, I don't know if you guys heard, but just last year in one hospital um, in New York, there was three suicides from residents yeah. and all three of them were from like uh, the Muslim population. Yeah. And uh, one of them, like he, I think he had been waiting, his colleagues had noticed him being down and, but like, I think he, I guess he didn't ask for help, but he ended up asking his parents back home who lived, I think in the Middle East, like I'm dealing with this and like, can you guys help me? I'm really struggling. But by the time they reached America, he, like, he had already committed suicide. So like, that's what Ulid was saying. Like, yeah. Often it's sometimes ends up being too late by the time we actually ask for help. Uh, this was actually one of the main questions and we've kind of discussed it, but just to uh, elaborate on it, like why is our mental health, why is men's mental health overlooked in general? One of the main reasons, as was mentioned by Ulid, is that automatically they're perceived to be stronger individuals emotionally and physically. Uh, so there's this sense that they can handle everything by themselves and that mm. they don't need anybody else, which is absolutely wrong. Uh, everybody needs a companion. Everybody needs a partner. Everybody needs a friend, no matter what. Mm. Uh, one of the other reasons uh, I think that it gets overlooked, uh, you know, in addition to the fact that they just cannot afford to have any sort of fleecy characteristics is that they are often not seen as victims. And uh, I'm not going against statistics. I'm not going against facts. I understand that all sort of vandalism, violence, crimes, mostly they're done by men. But this is something that should be controlled in an ideal world, but unfortunately we can't control it. But one of the consequences that men face because of this is that they're often not seen as victims. One recent incident uh, that I would like to uh, share with you guys highlighting this is that uh, recently uh, in one of the main highways in India, uh, there was a guy uh, who was a taxi driver and he was the sole, he is the sole earner of the family. And for some reason, a random girl thought that, you know, the guy is misbehaving with her for whatever reason. She ended up taking out her phone, uh, recording the whole event and slapping the guy like, hundred times for around five minutes straight. Nobody batted an eye. Everybody just stood there. Imagine what the scenes would have been if the roles were reversed on the very first lap, not even the hundredth lap. So because why? Because initially, like from the beginning, we are not seen as victims. People must have thought, everyone must have thought, and it was later interrogated and the the uh the result was that the guy was innocent. Uh, it was just a girl who misinterpreted the whole thing and she started hitting the guy. But nobody came to help him. Nobody even tried to ask what happened because it was a man. He must have done something wrong. So that this whole uh, ideology, it adds to the fact that, you know, we cannot have any sort of mental health problems. In fact, we are the cause of uh, mental health problems in others, unfortunately. I would say so, but I think that also brings up a whole other 
like you know that goes off on a tangent to say for mental health it goes off into like you know the south asian community and other areas where you just have like you know violent crimes and everything and um, i think that's a good discussion we can also have on uh, like you know we can elaborate on that maybe another day but that sounds like something that we can talk about a lot um because like you know to be honest like none of us we are advocating that like you know we want these roads to be the worst or something uh, in terms of uh, violence, no, we are, what we want is actually the, the world without it. We, like, no, we just abuse. want equal treatment once it comes to uh, problems like these, but we also understand at the same time that why we do not receive the same treatment. And that's a problem on a whole another level, which we can it discuss. Is. It is, it is. It's a lot of things to be dissected. And, uh, <laughs> In a couple of uh, in a couple of hours, even like you no, know, even that won't be enough. Maybe even, even days won't be enough for that. Like you know, these discussions have been going on for years. Uh, but yeah, we can see that these, especially when we're talking about mental health in terms of um, college students itself, for example, like you know, we've all been through five grueling years, and those were not like you know they're not very easy. But in some areas, like you know, people don't have it as easy. They don't have a proper support network. And somehow talking about those things in terms of support network and, some, and all of those, they just seem as taboo uh, because uh, we're just expected to suck it up and take it along and go, which I'm not saying is a bad thing because yeah, some things just, you just need to suck it up and do what you need to do. But obviously, like, you know, having support, having help will just make that process a whole lot easier. So I don't think any one of us is just saying that, you know what? Doing the work is something that's hard, you know, because no one is complaining about that. They understand that we all have responsibilities and duties that we need to carry out. But that support can really change, like, you know, the direction of where you go and uh, how you can just handle what it is that you need to be doing. Will you know more? You guys got anything more to say? Uh, just one question I needed to put out there, and I wanted to listen to your opinions about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, all of us are sort of in the same uh, age group and we've yes. just completed uh, our undergraduate and we're experiencing some same set of problems. Uh, we are at the same stage of life. So I needed to put this question out there. Is that uh, what is the time in a man's life that you guys think a man is most prone to be having these mental health conditions? I think it depends on a lot of uh, circumstances. Because the thing is, like, alhamdulillah, like, most of us, well, all of us are, like, you know, middle-class families, like, we haven't had issues for, like, you know, like, finance and other things. But there are people who have, like, really poor backgrounds, socioeconomic statuses, abusive parents, you know, alcoholic parents, the, the community that they live in. Sometimes these things just, like, they develop from, like, you know, when they're kids. And, uh... So, like, to say, like, the specific time, it's hard. But, like, I guess maybe teenage years is probably, uh, especially, like, after, just right after, like, puberty. Uh, it's, it's like, like, peak time for, like, because they're going through a lot. And then especially with school and the relationships, family, and all that, and then planning for the future. Like, uh, you know, when, when we think about, like, you know, 18-year-olds, like, going to college, it's actually still pretty young. And, like, you know, like the Westerners, they usually like have this idea of, you know, a guy should like leave the house and then like, you know, that's it, start their own journey. But you're just basically yeah. feeding, like 
a kid to the wolves. Like it's pretty scary out there, and they they don't like they're not prepared for the real world. So like I would say there's a lot of factors that go on for like uh, when like depression could start for like an individual. I think when I you first asked the question, Hamza, like I th- I was thinking initially, yeah, sixteen to eighteen, um, because like what we was saying, like sixteen, uh, you're you're probably in the middle middle phase of puberty, so physical hormone hormonal changes, and then like obviously you're getting relate into relationships and you're finishing school, and then like eighteen, like Alhamdulillah, like, we've all, um haven't had to work for our own um like studying education otherwise like what we were saying in the west as soon as you go you move out in 18 you're working jobs to to basically work uh provide your education you're financing your tuition and everything so for that if they're not stable then that's the early early aspect where depression can kick in at 18 19 if you're not financially stable so for I think it's it's the very the range of when it can start. Right. What the one thing is common, which is finance, your financial position. Hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, finance is a, it's a big thing because yeah. like everything in the world now is financially related. If yeah. you're not if you're not financially stable, then so much of your life can go wrong. Yeah, I just was going to I just mentioned one more part is that just like uh, you guys have mentioned is that when someone's in that early teenage years or late teenage years is a very tough times for them. But something that's also really important, you know, is that those are also very impressionable times. Like, you know, if people don't have this, I think support needs to start up right when a person is really young. It's not something that, you know, you start up only when a person has a job or when uh, they're just studying at the university levels or maybe later or even later, like, you know, as older men um, later in their careers. I think everything starts off from the young years itself because at this uh, during the teenage years is when uh, teenagers are really impressionable. And at that point, you get into it like, you know, uh, if you don't have a supported network at home or something like that, it's very really easy for you to fall into uh, you know, activities that could harm you later on, like, you know, such as uh, alcoholism or uh, smoking cigarettes or taking drugs, gangs. Drugs, exactly. I personally have seen some examples of those things and those, uh, uh, I don't know what they stem from, uh, but it's important to note that mental health and proper, like, you know, proper, not, not, it's not just only mental health because mental health is a whole part of a human being. So uh, to ensure that if they had the mental health that support and uh, it would have been better for them to know what decisions they could have made uh, and to make sure that they had made the right decisions uh, because they knew, like, you know, how, how it is that they could take care of themselves and that would have been important for them. Yeah, I think like what Eamon was saying, it's, a big part is, is how you're how were you raised mm-hmm. if you were raised where you have um like family members where opening up is encouraged then you're you're able to seek help and you're confident seeking help but if which is like more classical in our society where we we don't open up we bottle things up and keep it to ourselves that's why um we're reluctant to seek out because we grew up not not seeking help we we like we can solve it ourselves or we'll just tough it up and mm. see if what we can do by ourselves right uh just to uh link something to that so we've spoken about the facts that okay 
these are like serious problems that do exist and everybody literally experiences them and how uh, we don't have enough resources or platforms to let them out or to deal with them in a healthy way so being from this part of the world like i i am always intrigued by this like what are the coping mechanisms that left for us like mm. are they like robust responses like do we become sensitive agitated for like a period of time do we go mia are there any sanctimonious practices that we indulge into like i'm really interested like what what are they the coping mechanisms the coping mechanisms there is multiple yep. um like you know to be honest like i'm going to go off on one thing and uh and you guys know me personally Uh, so you guys know this about me already, but from my side of things, I just think that, you know, something that's really great for someone in any way is just always to, just to work out. Uh, so my friends know that I really like going to the gym. It's uh, been one of my, my, my favorite guilty pleasures. Like, you know, if I finish studying, I would reward myself by going to the gym because that's just how much uh, I, allow the, uh, I, love, I love going there. And for me, I just think that, you know what, is someone just, it's just really important in general in general itself for teenagers growing up nowadays to go to the gym to work out because it just really helps them become stronger and it just helps them become more active and in terms of mental health we already know that the scientific causes are there behind that there are scientific reasons behind working out that can really help uh, uh, improve someone's mental health and like you know we're talking at the at, at, at the at the molecular level in the brain with uh, chemicals being released that can really help them and plus i personally think that just by Um, I'm not really going to endorse like, you know, just doing things just for the sake of grit, but I just think that, you know, what, just working out, you know, just making sure you go to the gym each time, you're lifting the weight, it's heavy. And at the last second, like, you know, you feel like you want to give up, but you just still get that extra rep in. It just helps foster a bit of mental fortitude. Now, I'm not saying that, you know what, every single person needs to just suck it up and move on. But I think that, you know what, that is also an important part of coping. But now, because that's something that you need in life, it's called Grit. There's a book by Angela Duckworth. It's amazing. It talks about these things. But obviously, this is one of those things that can help you out. Now, if you talk about, like, you know, just in terms of just general coping mechanisms, having good support networks, having good friends who can help you out, making sure you choose the right friends. And that itself is a whole uh, category by itself. I just think that those are just two very important parts of the of the whole person that uh, can really help them in order to, co- to cope with whatever it is that they're going, that's happening around them. Yeah, like what you were saying about like physical health, it actually, like it's profound because a lot of times people with mental health, like uh, like problems or issues, they're not really in the best of shape. Um, mm. A lot of the times, you, you know, like obese or overweight, and like you don't even have to like, you know, force yourself to go to the gym, even like walking like every day or some sort of like, activity will really like just free your mind uh and that's one of the things it's, you know biking going for a hike if you have like a place hiking nearby and then on top of that like i would say to just focus on like a lot of people they just like to stay in bed and like not do anything but sometimes you just have to like kick yourself out and just do a hobby that you enjoy like like with me if i'm really not feeling in the mood like sometimes I'll just force myself to write and honestly just write whatever it doesn't have to make any sense but you will still like feel good after like doing that sort of activity yeah first of all uh, i mean and really like hats off to you guys because the last thing i want to do if i'm having any sort of depression or anxiety is move my body like i yeah. would just try to sit and like go for a drive or something 
But yeah, that's actually really interesting because different people like they just find different things comforting, and they just yeah. want to do that to get out of this reality. And like, sorry, uh, like one more thing. Uh, like Amin was saying about like with friends. Like sometimes, like people just they just want to vent out. Like the friend doesn't have to be there to like you know give guidance or whatever. They just want someone to hear what they're saying at that point in time, and that can like mean a lot to that person. Like even if they're venting for like twenty minutes straight on WhatsApp, as long as they just read it, acknowledge it, that's amazing. Like yeah. uh, this thing, uh, and uh, I'm grateful that I mean mentioned uh, this book called Grit by uh, Angela Duckworth. It actually mentioned that point in a beautiful way. And what you're saying now about having the right company, basically having the right opportunities, because it was mentioned in uh, another book called The Outliers by uh, Malcolm Gladwell. that all these uh, stupendous achievements that we see at times no like a person might be equally skilled equally smart and not end up having a good life in general and good life a big part of it is having a good mental health a big part of it is having the right opportunities having the right contacts having the right friends so it definitely ties in over there and if you have a good company it can definitely help you go through this difficult period definitely Just about with Malcolm Gladwell's book about uh, on, on outliers, he mentioned yeah. that a lot of these things they stem from like you know the people, the person's ability, their achievements. It stems from their family, like you know a lot of these things. They just happen because uh, just from where the person is from, their geographical location, or their parents, and so on. So now you can also look at this in the other way and say that you know what, if someone is coming from a uh, a low social economic area. a person is having parents who aren't really in the best of mental health if if that generation continues who knows how many more people will be affected and that's something i think that we really need to work on because these are people like you know it's our brothers they are, they are around, around the world and uh, i think if you've gone through medical school you have suffered through some sort of mental health problems at some point because it is not easy it is a grueling process maybe it's not maybe not everyone undergoes something like uh, like that but there's a lot of uncertainty it's hard it's tough there's so much of stress that you need to take care of so we we know how we know that this it like you know, it can be uh, sometimes it can just seize you so it's important that we just try something about that like you just said hamza is that when someone is having a problem and they don't want to work out they don't want to do something like that i'm not saying that like you know they have to force themselves because there are sometimes when people actually do do, do those things and it doesn't really help them because it doesn't take away the root cause of the problem so if there's a problem that's happening that's affecting them it doesn't take away that root cause but well that itself is something by itself i just think that if someone works out before it's like you know it's a preemptive measure it really helps them to make sure that at least if when something goes wrong like you know it really just builds fortitude in them even when something or can just help them in those ways but i think that that's something we also need to talk about is just that what are the root causes behind these things like you know sometimes it's just not the coping mechanism that can help but how it is that people can really just remove those causes from their lives themselves right like it doesn't have to be like there is no standard way of coming out of it like it might what might be perfect to you might not be immaculate to somebody else but like if it's helping you get out of it and if it's not affecting your relationships your life and you're dealing with it in a healthy way then I guess you should stick to it. Uh, another question that uh, I would like to put out over uh, over here is that okay, like we've identified the 
uh, again, the lack of resources and platforms to you know cope with uh, mental health conditions. What can be done now in our part of the world, especially to treat us or prevent these problems? So one of them is, uh, for sure, like raising awareness, uh, which can be done through podcasts. Uh, but what other things might be there? What do you guys think? I don't know if they have like you know, like outside for like you know. alcoholics that have aa i don't know if they have like committees here or like groups for like people with mental health issues but it, if they do they need to like bring more awareness to that uh, uh because like i've never heard of any like sort of like groups or organizations like people just need to be like encouraged more to like speak up like it, it's 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 going to take time like uh like maybe in the next 10 years with more and more people coming out and like talking about their problems then it'll be you know it'll, it'll pave way for like another generation to come out and if they have issues to talk about it like this is probably like one of the main things um which i can actually think of like other things are probably very uh you know nitty gritty like uh like details that's really true i just want yeah, to add one more this is a, this is a generational problem it's not going to fix like anytime soon because i think like we mentioned earlier a lot of the issues is how we were raised how our parents are raised and you can't just change that like over 5 10 years it's yeah. it's over a generation of how we choose um not to bottle things up we choose to open up and then when we have kids inshallah we allow that we talk to them and encourage opening up for them as well yeah so obviously in talking about it and raising awareness is a big part and uh, i don't know like what you said i don't know if there are these support groups but even if there are we wouldn't know because nobody talks about them right so like because nobody knows about it nobody talks about it even if there actually is then we just don't know that's true but i also have one question for you guys it's just that do you think that there is a lot of stigma because i understand that in other parts of the world especially in the western countries they have a lot of like you know uh shrinks that people can go to uh, people with uh, special specializations in psychology and so on and while those are great fields like you know we really don't have anyone this is a two part question so the, at the first in the, in the first part is like you know do you think that there's some stigma regarding people going to a shrink or someone to talk about the issues because those while that would be very helpful once someone is seen as going towards that they're already labeled as a mental health patient they're labeled as having depression someone says someone has depression and anxiety those things are just really uh, like you know it can really stick onto a person as an entire label and make the life tougher for them in the community so you guys still see that happening or do you just think see that going away slowly with time uh, that stigma probably go away and forget for, forget like going to see a shrink there's so many so much stigma about muslim students becoming a psychiatrist exactly. like that's a So that's a whole like <laughs> separate issue. Is that so I didn't know like, forget No there is no, there's so big things so they they how, how many people in our in our year that for example we're all medical students in the same year how yeah. many do you know are choosing psychiatry I can think of only one person That's true in that's true 2 260 students who graduated one and, person and definitely that. not from our part of the world right Omar Yeah <laughs> No, there is a big stigma. Like I remember in the fourth year when I had a huge psych craze and I told uh, one of the surgeons in uh, Shimesi and he just looked at me. He goes like, hmm, psych. 
he's like you're pretty quiet so you look like a psychiatrist i'm like i don't even know what that means man but uh like it's it's not something people go like wow damn man that's a pretty great choice like a lot of people give that weird quizzical look like they're like like why aren't you like you oh wow something else that's exactly, yeah that's pretty nice and like I, i don't know maybe i just don't know what the term means but like shrink itself has a very negative connotation and yeah. i don't know like where the word shrink came from what does it even mean but as soon as anybody here shrink they're like no i'm not going i'm not going at all if you say it we're going to see a doctor and talk about it they might be a bit open but as soon as they hear the word shrink like absolutely not you think i'm crazy you think i'm psycho yeah that i think that's like, something do you that guys know where the word shrink came from or what it means i'm i'm trying to google it right now yeah man that's something i feel is really it just funny. means uh, a slang term that originated because the psychiatrist or psychologist would shrink a person's problems Okay. Hence, hence, hence the word hence the word shrink <laughs> that's actually yeah, it's a very uh, good point i mean every every doctor like, does that this every doctor shrinks something stronger <laughs> that, that is true uh yeah just to continue on what omar said it's a very good point raised by him uh like it, even the other side like being uh, a helper yourself or a psychiatrist yourself you're being discouraged from the very beginning imagine the lack or the or the workforce missing in this particular field because of this stigma and imagine how many yeah. more people could have been there to help people in need so it's actually a very big problem and that is just something i was thinking about recently like you know you have a lot of psychiatrists who are out there but like, you know someone can really just combine psychiatry with islamic teachings it would be something that would genuinely help so many muslims all around the entire world because that is something because with muslims like you know the ability to to combine the spirituality or the spiritual nature of islam along with you know the organic problems that are causing like you know, the organic problems of the chemicals uh, the imbalance of chemicals that are causing depression uh, within people as well as the other lifestyle issues that might lifestyle issues or lifestyle problems or in general like you know other problems that might be causing them stress in their lives if someone could really uh, could really just like you know combine all of those three it would just be something that would be so beneficial uh, for for many muslims i actually think that you know what if someone like that is there i think in general it would be a good idea for someone to go and speak to a, to to a psychiatrist of that sort just because or psychiatrist or a psychologist just just so that they can talk about these things because for the for the majority of people they won't really understand that they have a problem they might just be masking it. they mask they might just be masking it or they might just not like you know even recognize that they have an, an issue that's uh, that's 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 bothering them so i think that i i hope that this happens but i hope that i think that it should be common place for people just to go and speak to a psychologist or a psychiatrist just so that like you know they can uh, get some progress done and see whether there's anything that's there for them like among muslims like when they have let's say depression or anxiety a big chunk of that is they also having sometimes they feel like uh their iman gets really low yeah and like if you're seeing a non muslim psychiatrist how do you explain that to them you can't like how do you explain that uh, <laughs> i'm feeling distant out of my iman so you can't you can't say anything with that so like you won't be targeting a huge a huge issue that you're facing because they won't understand yeah 
And yeah, again, the right. problem comes if the stigma is there in the Muslim world, that there won't be many Muslim psychiatrists to hear that particular issue. Yep. That's true. Yeah. But I think that uh, a psychiatrist, while well, he might be helpful, I think he also needs psychologists as well to get that done. So yeah, inshallah, we hope that that's something that uh, continues. Uh, I, we hope that that's something that starts up, actually, to see more Muslim psychiatrists, more Muslim psychologists. Uh, we have more people like, you know, going to the gym and we have more people working out, focusing on good, healthy relationships with their friends and their families in order to make sure that we break these generational curses uh, that might stem from three or four generations above us all to make sure that uh, we're able to live our lives in the most productive and healthy ways to take care of uh, take care of both ourselves, our families, to be stronger men, to be better men, and be good leaders inshallah in our communities. Alright guys, well that's it for this week's topic on mental health. Thank you all very much for tuning in and we hope to catch you all uh, next week inshallah. Goodbye and take care.